Man. Man, this is just icing on the cake this morning. Let me just tell you, God's been here. And I, I hope you just sensed his movement. He's palpable. And so uh, I, I'm glad that you have been a part of what, what's been going on. And he's not finished yet. He's not finished. He's not finished here this morning. He's not finished with you. Man, if there's still breath in you, there's a chance for redemption. There's a chance for newness. Um, last week, there we go. Last week, man, uh, Matthew, it, if you were not here last week, Matthew brought a strong message about being, being on mission with God. And uh, essentially, uh, as God goes, we go. And as we go, God goes. That's, that's the idea of God's with, is that he's with us. And it, it's, not, it's not like, hey, I'm, I'm, I'm with you right now. It's that he goes before us, he comes behind us, he's beside us, and he's within us. And we're on mission together. And the emphasis isn't just on, on with, it's on we. We are together on mission with God and and I've had up on my little whiteboard on my door that it says, be about the mission, period. Be about the vision, period. And I need reminded every day of the mission that we're on. We are loved people loving people to Jesus. If, if you're new to Wapak Naz, that is who Wapak Naz is. We are love people loving people to Jesus. And it, the mission is dangerous. And the mission is dangerous if you go at it even alone. It's more dangerous if you go at it alone. And so we're together. And as we go, he goes. And as he goes, we go. So we're on mission together. And I've added on my board, on mission together with God. And what a strong message that is. And so... This morning, I just, I, I want to thank Matthew, but Matthew's not here. He's actually on mission upstairs along with our ministry partners in the children's area, in Adventure Cove, in Lilypad, Treasure Bay, and, and, and Pier 252. So, uh, man, we're on mission all the time. Um, next week, uh, just kind of give you a little heads up. Next week, um, I know the 11th doesn't start Lent, but Lent starts on Wednesday, the 14th. And so we are going to um, go on a Lenten journey um, on the way, uh, walking forward, traveling backward. And I, I'm telling you, you don't want to miss this series. It's a series that's going to take us all the way to Easter and the week after. Um, there are a couple interruptions on the 18th of this month. Jacob is coming in. And then on the 18th of the next month, um, which is really odd, it's all the Sundays are the same days. Um, on the 18th of next month, we have Mount Vernon coming in um, to Wapak Naz as well. But um, I, uh, what we're about to go through this morning, I've gone through myself. Um, I've been really scattered on this sermon all week. All week. Um, and so, before I even start, I, I'd like to pray, because you're about to go on journey along with me today. So will you just 
pause for a moment. Heavenly Father, um, it's not about me. This is not this is not my church, it's your church. These are your people. It's about you and the work that you want to do and the works that you desire, the work that has been done already and the greater things to come, the promises in which you've laid out. So Lord God, I ask that you remove me from the equation, but I ask it provide me that authority to speak the truth give us the ears to hear this morning may it be very very clear when we walk out this morning may it be very clear what your word says about you about us and about what you desire to do in our life Lord Jesus I love you it's in your name that we ask this morning. Amen. So in the rewrite in my office this morning, I'd like to, <laughs> I'd like to just share, um, looking back, I actually share with you back in June, kind of the hurry up and wait process that my wife and I have been on. Um, but what I didn't share with you in the hurry up and wait process some of you may know that my wife and I have been on a long journey, actually, um, since uh, pretty much 2013. Um, even before we got here, um, when, when, my, when the district superintendent had, had asked, extended the offer to be pastor here at Wapak Naz, um, and we knew that the Lord had called us here, my wife and I went through a lot of changing um, she had to resign from her position. And so immediately when we took this position, my wife went through an identity crisis. No one here has ever gone through that, have they? Um, not common at all. Um, and so she went through an identity crisis because she was a children's pastor at a church down in Piqua. And uh, she actually went out and bought a book about coffee shops uh, because she was considering, let's create a coffee shop. Uh, sure have at it um wasn't sure where it was going to go but here we are uh about five four or five four years later um on the verge of a coffee shop and i share with you the journey that we we walked through and and just to save a little time the journey has been long um very long and last year we went through a lot of hurry up and wait where we thought we were going to have the loan we thought we were going to open up in the fall and delay after delay after delay, even the individual that um, was our banker who was our advocate in the community and the one pulling a lot of the strings up and left his job, leaving my wife and I somewhat high and dry and starting the banking process pretty much back at square one. And so... Last year, we eventually obtained our building and were able to move in in January of last year. So the process continued, and we thought we were going to open up this past fall, and it didn't happen. 
again, there was a lot of hurry up and wait. Then we finally came to the point in December where we signed our life away. Um, I just grew my arms and legs back uh, last week because it was, I mean, it's seriously, we signed our life away. And we're still not sure whether or not it's going to happen, be successful. Now, you may say, well, Winans is chocolate and coffee. How could it not be successful? I don't know, but you just don't know, right? You just don't know when you go on these ventures. What I haven't shared with you um, is that there were many points in the process that my wife, who verbalized them, and myself, who kept it to myself, wondered, is this really what we're supposed to do? We stood with the towel in hand several times at the edge of the ring, ready to throw it in. Even in August, when we were supposed to be showing up in the fall, and we realized we're not showing up in the fall. We were on the edge of blessing. We were on the edge of it materializing. But we were also at the same time on the edge of giving up. I don't think anybody sitting here has ever been there, right? Yeah, you have. Come on. Let's be real. There's probably someone here right now on the edge of giving it up. Which also means you're also on the edge of something greater. You're on the edge of something greater. Time and time again, towel in hand, ready to toss it in. And even when it meant that we weren't going to be able to save face. Even when it meant, man, all these community folks, the whole church behind us, ready to toss it. You've been there. You've been there in life. You may be there now. You may be there in your faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. You may be seeking out the Lord, not even being a follower of Christ, and you're still ready to throw the towel in, and you haven't even started the journey. Folks, I really don't know. I really don't know what's going to happen with this chocolate shop and this coffee shop. I believe it's going to be successful. I do. But you still don't know. Especially when you sign your life away. There's still risk involved. Right? But, on the edge, on the edge of something greater. We, and I firmly believe this, we as Wapak Naz as a collective 
group of people, not a church building, but we as a collective group of people, I firmly believe that we are on the edge of blessing. That we are on the edge of something greater. And some of you sitting here that may be on the edge of throwing in the towel need to understand that you're also on the edge of something greater. And I just want to give fair warning, this is not a prosperity gospel message. I don't agree with that gospel. I don't agree with that. Jesus didn't suffer and die that we may have. He suffered and died that we may be forgiven, that we proclaim the message of the gospel and the message of of the cross. However, Ephesians 3.20 tells me and tells us that the God of immeasurably more than we can think or imagine exists. He's the God of more than enough. And we as people on mission and you as an individual on mission you're on the edge well if you're a guest here um, there's this unwritten rule in the Nazarene manual um, that uh, where two or three Nazarenes gather there must be food right there must be food um and, and I'm sure you've had the experience when you've gone out to eat with a friend. The waiter or the waitress sets the bill in the center of the, the table, equidistant from both people. And it's pretty much the quicker hand pays, right? Sometimes, nowadays, they'll say, that really awkward question that creates an awkward moment. One check or two. And your friend possibly has said, one. And then the polite fight happens, right? No, 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 no. That's okay. No, no, no. I want to. No, seriously, uh, that's okay. I'll I'll, I'll get it. No, no, no. I, I want. Polite fight, right? Someone once told me, I don't know who it was, probably one of my professors, said that if you refuse someone to bless you, you're refusing their blessing as well, right? When you're on the edge, when you're on the edge, about to take possession of a blessing, that's right before you. Do you and I, and do we, do we settle for less and refuse the blessing before us? Are we sitting at the table with the Lord God who has reached out his hand and grabbed the check and we're saying, no, 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 no. No, God, don't, no. I want to. There was a people on mission with God. 
and they were on the edge. They were on the edge of blessing. They were on the edge of something greater. They were on the edge of fulfillment. They were on the edge of what God desired for them to take possession of. And if you're ever watching ABC during Easter, you know the story. The Ten Commandments, right? Good old Charlton Heston. These are the Israelite people. They had been released from captivity. God did some crazy, mind-blowing, miraculous things that science has tried to prove otherwise and have yet to do so. And now we have a people on journey. And they've come to the edge of the land God promised them. Now, we've got we to gotta walk backwards just for a second. We walk backwards with me. 600 years before. If you want to look it up, the, this reference is not up there. Genesis 12 and Genesis 15. God had a conversation with a man named Abraham. Abram at the time. And he told Abram, leave your father's household, leave your people, and go to the land I will show you. And so, Abraham did as God asked. And then, there came a moment where Abraham was in his tent, Genesis 15. And he went outside the tent and he looked around. He looked up and it was middle of the night and there were stars all in the sky. And God told Abraham, you will be a people, a great nation. And God said, I give this land to you. And Abraham asked the question, how can I take possession of this land? And God made a, an agreement. And we call agreements today contracts. But biblically, they're covenants. Covenants are stronger than contracts. God made a covenant with Abraham, and at the very end of that covenant, God told Abraham, I will give this land to your descendants. 600 years later, approximately, his descendants, the Israelites, were on the edge of that land. On the edge of that fulfillment. And you guys, we complain about waiting in the line for like five minutes. They've been waiting 600 years right? They're on the edge. So, in Numbers 13, if you would like to turn there, it's in the front end of the Bible. Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers. Numbers 13. And this is a familiar passage to Wapak Naz. We've talked about this a few times in the last four years. 
Numbers chapter 13. And I'm going to skip around a little bit. I will let you know where I skip around, but we're going to start in verse 1. This will not be up on the screen. At least I don't think so. Yes, it is. <laughs> Surprise! I even, I even prepared the PowerPoint. What, what of that? Okay. So, verse 1. The Lord said to Moses, Send some men to explore the land of Canaan. This is the same land I've just referred to, the promised land, which I'm giving to the Israelites. Notice the language. The land which I'm giving to the Israelites. From each ancestral tribe, send one of its leaders. And so, Moses gathered 12 men, one from each of the 12 tribes of Israel. It was interesting that Moses, and you can read this at your leisure if you will, verse 17 through verse 20, Moses began to unpack some things that he wanted the 12 to find out. What type of people are living in the land? Do they live in fortified cities or unwalled cities? What's the soil like? Is it fertile or is it poor? Are there trees or none? And then he said to the 12 men, Do your best. Do your best to bring the fruit, some fruit of the land back. Fruit of the promised land. Moses essentially was sending this expedition out because he wanted to gather some information. Is this promised land, the land that God has promised us, suitable for us to live in? Can we make a life here? Can we settle here? What's it look like? It's a somewhat of a scientific expedition. And so, the Lewis and Clark of the Israelites, they all go out. For 40 days, they travel through the heart of Israel. Through the heart of Israel, all the way to the north and back down. And as they travel north and they travel south, they come to peaks where they can see east and west. And at the end of their journey, it's interesting what they do. In the valley of Eshol, and you can follow me here, same chapter, verse 23. When they reached the valley of Eshol, or Eshol, they cut off a branch bearing a single cluster of grapes. Two of them carried it on a pole between them, along with some pomegranates and figs. Folks, really interesting here. This is, this is my Bible nerd coming out, and I know not, not everyone's Bible nerds, okay? Probably, I'm probably the only one standing in the room here. But this is the journey I've been on since October. What did they bring? They brought a single cluster of grapes, so large, two men had to carry the single cluster of grapes on one pole. And they also brought pomegranates and figs. Grapes, pomegranates, and figs. 
in their hands. They have the fruit of the land. And they take this fruit back. They take it back to the whole community. They take it back to their leader, Moses. In their hands, they have the fruit of the land, which is proof of the promised land. In their very hands, they have the fruit of the land, which is proof of the promise. Now let's catch it here for a second, folks. They're on the edge of the promised land. They're right there. Just like some of you might be right there. And they have proof of the promise. They have proof of God's faithfulness. Not to the Israelite people, but to himself and his word. God is faithful to himself, to who he is, and to his word. A word that he spoke 600 years before. And they have proof. And they bring this proof, the fruit of the land, to the community. And it's wonderful. Verse 27, they gave Moses this account. We went into the land to which you sent us. And it does flow with milk and honey. Here is the fruit on the edge. But see, it's a funny thing. God sent 12. And unlike the four out of five dentists who agree, 10 out of 12 disagreed. They told the truth of the fruit of the land, but then they also spread a false report. Overnight success doesn't happen overnight right? It just may seem like that. Overnight successes are actually a result of a lot of years of the daily grind. But I can tell you right now, there is one such thing as an overnight success, and that's a negative report. That's gossip. That's falsehood. To a group of willing or gullible people. And here we have a very willing and gullible people who hear this word, this negative word, from these ten men who said, man, the people, the obstacles are too great and the people are too powerful. We cannot take this land. On the edge, towel in hand, and the word overnight spreads very quickly. So much so that the next morning, the whole Israelite community, the whole crowd, minus just a few, want a new leader and want to go back to captivity. Want to go back to Egypt. How many of you have ever been on the edge And you look back and you felt going backward would be more fruitful and a whole lot easier. Towel in hand. 
Well, unfortunately, God got to the point of their grumbling where he said, okay, this is what we're going to do. Those ten that have grumbled, those ten that have spread the report, died right before the Lord. Those that have listened to their falsehoods, you are going to wander the wilderness for 40 years. Those that are 20 years and older, the leaders in the community, the mothers and the fathers and the grandparents of the community, you will not enter the promised land that I told you I was giving you. Those that are below 20, you will enter the land, but you're going to suffer along with the older folks as you wander the wilderness for 40 years. The only two of the 12 that get to go in are Joshua and Caleb, the only two that stepped up and said, we can take this land. And so, for 40 years, 40 years, they wander. But then something interesting happens. Again, the Bible nerd comes out of me. Just turn a couple pages to chapter 20. 40 years later, well, about 39, the beginning of the 40th year. Man, that's a long time. I'm 40, and it's been a long life so far. 40 years. We have a moment where the Israelite community is parched. When they're parched, they're hacked. They're kind of like Nazarenes that are hangry at noon on a Sunday. Let's go, Ambrose. You're talking way too much. They're hacked. Where's the water? In customer service, I spent about two years, two and a half years in customer service on the phone line. And I also spent about three or so years in retail, not to mention standing at McDonald's for three years saying, would you like fries with that? You know, um, when people list a complaint, you listen to the complaint, right? You, 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 you don't ignore it. And so customer service Ambrose comes out, and I listened as they list the complaint. And I want you to listen as they list the complaint. Will you follow me? Verse 2. Now there was no water for the community, and the people gathered in opposition to Moses and Aaron. Nothing out of the usual there. They quarreled with Moses and said, here's the complaint. If only we had died when our brothers fell before the Lord. Why did you bring the Lord's community into this desert? That we and our livestock should die here. Why did you bring us out of Egypt to this terrible place? It has no grain or figs, grapevines, or pomegranates. And there is no water to drink. Wait, what'd they say? It has no grain, figs, grapevines, or pomegranates. Did you catch it? Figs? Grapes and pomegranates. 39 years ago, 
What did the 12 spies bring before the community of the Lord after spying out the promised land? Grapes, pomegranates, figs. Here's the fruit of the land. Here is proof of the promise. Here is proof of God's faithfulness to His Word. This is what you're on the edge of. This is what you can have in hand. 39 years ago, and they gave it up. And they threw in the towel. Folks, the moment I read this, well, probably after I read this and reread this and reread this, because sometimes I forget that I read it. I don't know about you, memory of goldfish here. But at some point in reading it, I asked myself the question, and I think the Lord actually asked me the question first, and then I asked myself, Ambrose, are you settling for less than what God has for you? Are you forfeiting the blessing? You're on the edge. You're right there. Here's proof. It's in hand. When God wants to bless at the table, are we arguing over the check? Is the towel in hand? No, 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 God. I'll take the check. I'll do it. And God's saying, I have something for you that you just need to take possession of it. Now, this isn't speak it out into existence and just wait for it. No, that's, that's kookiness, folks. If there's any preacher speak, saying that, man, find another church. But God is the God of immeasurably more. Right? There's a story in 2 Kings chapter 4. You can write it down, read it later. I'm just going to paraphrase it. There's a story of a woman who's a widow. Her husband was a prophet. He was a prophet of the Lord. He followed the Lord, loved the Lord, and did what the Lord had asked him to. However, this prophet, like many people who follow the Lord and do what they need to do, was not a rich man. Let me backtrack on that. Sometimes when you follow the Lord, God will bless you financially. I'm not going to say that he doesn't. This man was a poor man. Didn't have anything to leave for his wife and his two kids. And Elisha, or Elisha, E-L-I-S-H-A, not Elijah, Elisha, the prophet, came to the widow she said we don't have anything and you know what collectors are coming to collect and I have nothing to give to the collectors so 
Elisha asked, what do you have? Well, just a little oil. So Elisha said, hey, go knock on your neighbor's doors. Ask them for jars. Sure thing. Remember, on mission together. So the woman goes and got any jars? Got any jars? Got any eights? Go fish. She collected jars. And so he said, fill the jars. And she began to fill the jars until she ran out of jars. Remember, God is the God of immeasurably more. He has enough to fill, and he has enough for each person. So I asked the question, and I'm sure many others have asked the question before me for the last, I don't know, 2,500 years. What if she had more jars? What if she had more jars? What if she just continued knocking and asking? But at some point, either she or her sons stopped. And so, the oil stopped flowing. Then, Elisha said, go sell the oil. Pay back the debt that is owed, and you get to live on whatever else remains. Oh, now I wish I would have gotten more jars on the edge of something greater. The woman didn't realize necessarily that she was on the edge of something greater. Folks, have you quit asking for jars? Have you quit knocking on doors? And I guess... It's not necessarily knocking on each other's doors, but have you stopped knocking on the Lord's door? You're looking at the towel too much. We're looking at the towel too much. We're too eager to throw it in when we're right on the edge of something greater. Don't forfeit the blessing. Don't forfeit the favor that God has for His kids. Don't forfeit the promise. I think too many people are ready to just settle for less. And you're saying, Ambrose... Okay, 
Well, what's God got? What has He promised? What's there? First thing that you need to understand, we need to understand, whether you're a believer in God or not, whether you believe in Jesus Christ or not, one of the key promises of Scripture is that if you seek me, you will find me. If you draw near to me, I will draw near to you. Seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. Folks, if you're even just a little curious about God, if you're even just a little curious about Jesus Christ, if you have a lot more skepticism, a lot more doubt, a lot more questions, just ask him. Just ask him. He will begin to reveal himself in your life. Where are you? One of the key promises is if you seek me, you will find me. Ask, and it will be given. Knock, and the door will be opened. Promise. On the edge. Continue knocking. Get as many jars as you can. Promise eternal life. For God so loved the world. You know, we may see this sign tonight at the Super Bowl. John 3.16. It's not just a clever board. For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son that whoever, you're a whoever. We are whoever should believe in him, shall not perish, but have eternal life. I will give you living water that will well up inside of you. Promise. Knock on the door. You're on the edge of something greater. The Holy Spirit. Man alive. Jesus said, you who are evil, who know how to give good gifts, man, I tell you what, if you just ask, I'd be glad and willing to pour out, pour out the Holy Spirit in your life. Matthew chapter 9. Ask the Lord of the harvest to send out workers. Just ask Him. And ask Him for the harvest. And on and on and on. Forgiveness. If you confess your sin, He is faithful and just. Faithful to Himself, because that's who He is. He is just, and He will forgive your sins. Promise. Peace. Grace. Mercy. Wisdom. And on and on and on. These are promises of Scripture that, you know what? I feel like too many of us who are believers in Christ are not taking possession 
of what God has promised. Man, there's so much that God has promised you as a believer through His Scripture. We're too willing to throw in the towel. So I ask you this morning, whether you're a believer in God, Jesus Christ, or not, Don't settle for less. And forfeit the blessing before you. Forfeit taking possession of what God has promised. If you seek Him, you'll find Him. There's nothing greater than Himself. But I also want to come back to the very beginning of what we talked about this morning. The journey that God has brought my wife and I through. Some of you have a call on your life. Whatever that may be. But you know that God has called you to do something. And you're sitting there with the towel in your hand. Maybe you've stepped out in that call and it's just been really rocky. It's just, it's been crappy. You've hit obstacle after obstacle. The people look too powerful for you to take possession of whatever the call God has put on your life. And you're standing there with a towel in your hand. You just, man, I just want to be done with it. I just want... You're on the edge. You're on the edge of blessing. You just need to keep knocking. Keep knocking. Don't wait for 39 years. I think waiting any longer will just be that more, much more painful. So, I'd like for you to stand, please. Just bow your head for a second. I'm not going to be emotional. Bow your head and close your eyes for just one moment. And that's you. If you've got towel in hand, or you're just on the edge of what God has promised. You're at a crossroads. Either one. If you're more doubt and skepticism, but you're curious. Will you just verbally ask God? You don't have to say it real loud for everybody to hear, but will you just verbally ask God out loud in this moment? To show Himself. 
just show yourself? Will you encourage us in this moment to continue to knock, to go forward into the promise that you have for us? Jesus, will you please? I know you will. I think part of it's us. Quite frankly, Lord, part of it's us. We're in flesh. We're on this side of, of, of heaven. And we're all walking, trying to walk in faith. Or we're just trying to figure it out. Lord, I know. I know you're good. I know you're faithful. I know you're just. I know you're gracious. I know you're loving. You're true to who you are, and you're true to your word. And I know that your word, you will never disagree with it. So Lord, may we hold on to it. May we hold on to the promises in which you've promised in the, in the scriptures and that we take possession of what you've promised. Lord, I love you. We love you. And we praise you. And we also know that you really don't care who wins the Super Bowl. It's in your name we pray. Amen. Hey, may you love the Lord your God with all your heart, your mind, your soul, and your strength. And will you please love your neighbor as yourself? Go take possession of what God has for you.